Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Hallelujah. Let's pray again. We can never do that too much. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for your word. The truth that you've stirred in my heart, God, that you've challenged me with and you've challenged me to share with your people. God, tonight, that the truth of your word would set captives free, that it would encourage hearts and that it would go forth to do what you have purposed it to do. I thank you for the privilege of delivering your word to your people, God. I never take that lightly. And God, that this word would birth hope in your people tonight, God, that you and you alone would receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You know, I'm really excited tonight to um, talk with you. It's been a long time. This message has been stirring in me for a long time. And um, Pastor John this weekend, it was great to hear what he was saying and to see the connection to what God has spoken to me for tonight. Pastor John talked about active faith through the application of God's word. And I think sometimes... I know sometimes life gets really, really rough and it's easy to lose sight of who God is in the midst of the things that we face. We know that God delights in blessing his children and when we're experiencing good times, you know, when you pay the bills and there's money left, it's not a red balance, it's a black balance and um, your body's healthy and your kids are doing good in school and you and your spouse aren't fighting and things are good. It's easy to remember that God is a good God in those circumstances. But tough times make that more of a challenge, amen? And unfortunately, we live in a world that has been affected by sin and so there are things that happen in our lives that sometimes it's easy to get discouraged um, and that, that even seems like a very mild word because sometimes we can be downright devastated by what God, what God, what the world dishes at us. And tonight I pray that this word encourages your heart because you're in good company if you struggle sometimes with knowing that God is good. You're in good company. And I'm going to show you that tonight in his word. John 10.10 says that the thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Okay, that's the last we're going to talk about the enemy because he's not even worth mentioning. This is Jesus telling us that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but we don't have to submit to that because Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So about a month or so ago in my morning prayer, I was walking our property out here. I love to do that. I, I love walking out there. I, there's just something special about that. It's something God gave us, and um, it, it, it's part of our inheritance is this church that God has given us that land. And so I like to trot on that every once in a while and, and remind myself that that's a blessing from God. And as I was praying, I felt God speak to me the word abundance. And, and so, you know, the first thing that often that comes to my mind, and probably many of you tonight, the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word abundance is financial blessing. That is definitely part of our heritage in Christ, financial blessing. But as I was praying that, God said, no, abundance, not just in finances, in all of life. And he began to download these thoughts. 
mental abundance, emotional abundance, spiritual abundance, physical abundance, relational abundance, and financial abundance. You see, God is not a part-time God. He's full-time and he is all in. And so when he says abundance, he means it. He's not kidding. And he's not just talking about, well, he's going to measure out a measure of abundance to us. It is overflowing. It is pressed down together, running over beyond anything that we could think or ask. That is the God that we serve. So because I'm not going to go into all the passages, I'm going to tell you a story out of the Bible. But if you're taking notes, jot down these four passages. Matthew 14, Mark 8. Luke 9 and John 6. I'm going to say it one more time. Matthew 14, Mark 8, Luke 9, John 6. Those all tell the accounts of Jesus feeding the multitudes. We see two, at least two different times that he did that. Once there was a crowd of about 4,000, and once there was a crowd of about 5,000. Okay? So we know there's at least two times. There could be multitude more times that he did this, but we know at least twice. And even Jesus, some people have said, well, those are the same account, but Jesus actually differentiates between them, and we'll see that here in a moment. So in Matthew 8, 23 through 27, Jesus has just performed one of these miracles, and they're getting ready to cross back over the sea. And it says when he got in the boat, talking about Jesus, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. The Sea of Galilee is in an extremely unique geographical area where storms can whip up without even warning. It has this weird, it's laying in a valley and the one side of it is like a sheer cliff. And when two temperatures collide, it creates an incredible storm basically without warning. So this was possible, okay, that this just, all of a sudden, the boat's being covered with waves, and there's this huge storm, and they're not on the other side yet. But Jesus was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And so it's, you know, we, you read different versions of that, and in some versions, in some stories, they're saying, don't you care? that we're perishing, can you, do you, can you feel that, church? Can you feel that, that emotion? Like, God, do you not see what's going on? Do you not care that this is happening in my life? Can you feel their desperation, their fear, their turmoil? And then God is sleeping. It's like, Jesus, do you, we're perishing, save us. So he says to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? So Jesus got up, he rebuked the storm, but there was obviously something they were not getting because he says, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? In another place, Jesus is trying to teach them, get them to look beyond what they understand and he says to them, beware of the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees. Okay, Herod represented the political system of the time, and the Pharisees represented the religious establishment. And he's saying, be careful of their influence in your lives. That's good preaching even for today, amen? Yeah. Be careful of the influence of the things that do not glorify God in your life, because they're dangerous. Okay, so in Mark 8, 
16 through 21, he says this to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And they discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you not still see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you not have eyes but fail to, do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. And then he goes, do you still not understand? Feeding thousands, Jesus took what little there was, a very small amount of food, basically enough for one person's lunch, and he fed thousands. Amen. But in the stories, as you read it, um, those four passages that I'm not going to read tonight, I challenge you to go read them, because it is amazing. Um, you know, Jesus didn't pray. Okay, what he did was he, he said, what do you have? And they, you know, the disciples came to him and said, Lord, you know, we've got all these people and they're hungry. And he goes, so feed them. Okay. Uh, okay. And they're like, well, how are we going to do that? It's not like they could run to Circle K or Safeway or, you know, Taco Bell. There was nothing out there. They were out in the wilderness. That many people didn't fit in town. So Jesus is preaching and all these thousands of people came to hear him preach. And there is no food. And so they're all like, okay, well, how do we do that? So Jesus prayed. He says, what do you have? And they brought a small boy's lunch. And they said, this is what we've got, just these few loaves and a few fish. And he said, give it to me. Everybody sit down. And he prayed and he blessed it and he gave thanks for the food. And then he handed it to his disciples and said, now feed them. Okay, so I believe they, what did they say? How many loaves did he have? I, I forget how many loaves exactly in the story. Like I said, there's different stories. But he had less than 12 loaves, and there were 12 guys that he said, feed them. So he was breaking loaves into pieces, handing them to them. And if you figure about 5,000 people divided between 12 guys, that's like several hundred each. Okay, and he hands them a piece of a piece of bread. And they're like, okay. So I'm, I'm projecting my own processes on this story, okay? We don't know fully what happened, but I can speculate based on the person that I am. And I imagine some of you can relate to this. You're holding this piece of bread that is a small portion, like one twelfth of a child's lunch, and you're turning to the crowd thinking, I am so dead. <laughs> There is no way they're going to kill me. They're going to mob me and they're going to kill me because there's not enough. What am I going to do with this? Okay. The reality of the processing that that takes as you're looking at this tiny thing and it's like, God, how could this possibly be enough to do what you've told me to do in the natural? It's not. And so these men have to walk in obedience when they can't see it with their eyes. They heard the commandment and they're like, okay, Lord, okay. And think, I mean, you got to commend the brothers for their obedience, okay? They're, they're like, 
Nobody said, are you crazy? <laughs> Nobody said that, we don't think. But they took the bread and as they turned, can you, I can just picture this. Okay, when Jesus prayed for it, because you, there, there's several different ways you could look at this. When Jesus prayed over the food, poof, there were not 5,000 loaves of bread around Jesus where he said, all right, everybody grab one. Okay, the story doesn't record it that way. The story says he broke the bread as he gave thanks and he handed it to them and said, now feed them. Okay, so they take this bread and they turn in obedience, not knowing what this is going to look like or how this is going to work. And they begin to pass it out. And boom, there's more. And boom, there's more. And I can imagine that as they see God do what he said he would do, which was meet the needs abundantly, and they're seeing this before their eyes, whatever that looked like, it must have been awesome. Amen. As they watched all these hundreds and thousands of people have enough food from a kid's lunch, and then they collect more leftovers than they started with. Church, that is the God of abundance. That is the God that we serve. He says to us, I want you to obey. I want you to trust me. But trust me, I'm going to blow your mind. That is the kind of God that we serve, a God that will always blow our minds. We can never outgive him. We can never outpray him. We can never outbless him because he is such a God of abundance. And that is our inheritance. The world would lie to us. Circumstances would lie to us and make us think that God doesn't care. Lord, don't you care? We're perishing. You're sleeping. Where are you? What are you doing? This is the God that we serve. Okay. So in the midst of abundance, again, it's easy to see this. It's like, okay, I see it. I get it. Wow. Wow, God, that was awesome. And so they get in the boat. They go across. They're freaking out because the storm's raged. Jesus calms the storm and says, do you not get this? Do you not get this? In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Church, do you understand? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. He didn't give you the spare key. He gave us the key to the kingdom of heaven. He didn't give us a key that only opens a couple doors. He gave us full access to the kingdom of heaven. The abundance of who God is and what he has for us is ours. And it's here and now. It's not something that we look forward to. Yes, we look forward to eternity. Yes, it's going to be awesome. But he gave us the keys to the kingdom here and now, church. It is ours. It is ours. He gave us back what was stolen. He said, here's the keys. And sometimes we're like a driver who's never gotten behind the wheel of the car and we're holding these keys and we're going, oh God, now what? And we're freaking out and he's going, I've empowered you, I've equipped you. I have given this to you. Now go and walk in faith. We're holding bread going, it's not enough, it's not enough. And God says, trust me, it is more than enough because I am a God of abundance. I am a God that is above and beyond your circumstances. 
You know, sometimes we are really good at identifying problems. The disciples, Lord, there's thousands of people here and they're hungry. Well, duh, aren't you a genius? You know, I mean, I'm so good sometimes at noticing, oh, there's that wrong and that wrong and we need to fix this. But where's the solutions? Do we come up with solutions? Well, yeah, God says, you fix it. That's the solution. It's like, oh, okay, how do I do that? We trust God. We walk in obedience. We say, yes, God. And what happens sometimes is when we pray, God does give us patterns for prayer and he does tell us to pray and believe him for things. But I think what God is trying to do, church, is get us to walk in the empowerment that he has given us. Sometimes we pray and we say, God, you know, I want you to do this and I want you to do that and I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And then we sit there and wait for it to happen. And God says, feed them. I've given you the keys, start the car, go, do it. And, and we sit back and then we go, God's not moving. Well, neither are you. He wants us to move in faith and in trusting him. Faith in action, that's what Pastor John preached. Faith in action, what does that look like? Knowing his word and functioning in the truths of his word because they are ours. God's promises are yes and amen. amen. Boy, our set list tonight was great for what I'm preaching. I'm telling you, every word, it's like all your promises are yes and amen. Faithful you are and faithful you will always be. And again, when circumstances are good, it's easy to go, woohoo, God is in control. But when circumstances kick our butt, it's like, okay, Lord, where are you? We're perishing here. Now what? They're hungry, God. Now what? And God says, you do it. I've empowered you. He doesn't say you do it and then be all snarky about it and mean. He's not being mean. He's going, I gave you the keys. It's yours. Walk in it. Walk in it. All right. So it's easy for us to identify the problem, but he wants us to also meet the need. He wants us to speak to those mountains. They will be removed and cast into the sea. All right, so in the good times, it's easy. But in the bad times, what do we do during trials? What do we do when life is just being mean? And things are happening to us, and it's like, dear God, you know, we try to pay bills, and there's not enough. And it's like, God, I'm being faithful. I'm tithing. I'm, I'm giving. I'm, I'm being generous, Lord. And, and I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. God, I'm not hearing your voice. I'm praying about this, and I'm not hearing your voice. God, I'm desperate for your touch. I'm desperate for your presence, but I don't feel you. Well, you remember John the Baptist? We're in good company, okay? Jesus called him the greatest prophet ever. Now, that's a pretty big standard. The greatest prophet ever. Okay, so this was, this guy was all that in a truckload of chips, man. The dude was it, okay? When Jesus says that you are the best, the greatest, wow. Okay, so this, so John the Baptist, he preached the gospel. He was having powerful ministry. Things were going awesome. God was using him powerfully. He was preparing the way of the Lord. He was preaching. People were being baptized and saved. And and the kingdom was going forth through his ministry. It was powerful. But he crossed the wrong people and ended up in prison for righteousness, I would say. Not because he broke any laws or did anything horrible, but he went to prison for preaching the truth. Okay, that's a bad day, church. That's a really bad day. 
and he's sitting in prison, he's bound in chains, he's probably gonna die, which we know he ended up being beheaded for nothing other than preaching the gospel and confronting sin. And he's sitting in prison and he's hearing the works of Christ. Let's read Matthew 11, two through six. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Okay, John, okay? John the Baptist, the guy who declared himself unworthy to unlatch Jesus' sandals the guy who baptized him in water and saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove and a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, that same John, you know, the same guy that in the womb, when he heard that the Messiah was coming, he leapt with excitement. This is a guy who knew Jesus was Jesus from the womb. All right, church, that's pretty convinced of who God is. And he had just evidence after evidence throughout his entire ministry that Jesus was the one. Right. So what changed? He's in prison. He says, Jesus, you are the chain breaker, but I'm in chains. I'm not seeing it, God. I'm in prison, but you promised you would set the captives free. Where are you, God? Okay, the greatest prophet ever went through this church. The greatest prophet ever. Did Jesus rebuke him? No. What did he do? He said, you go tell John that the blind see and the lame walk and the deaf hear. You go tell him that the gospel is being preached to the poor. He didn't say, what is wrong with you? You're supposed to act like the greatest prophet. What's wrong with you? He didn't say that. He loved on him and he encouraged him because he loves us, church. He doesn't rebuke us. He loves us. He knows that we struggle, but he also knows that we don't have to. And in the midst of circumstances that challenge the fiber of every being in us that knows that God is good and we are being challenged beyond what we can think or ask, Jesus says, remember. Remember, look beyond your circumstances. God invades the impossible. And remember the loaves? He did more with less. You realize he fed 5,000 with less and they had more baskets left. That is kingdom economy, church. That is the economy of heaven. That is who he is. Do you understand that there's no lack in the kingdom? Your every need will be met because he promised us Psalm 61, 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. What does that look like? The rock. Jesus, our rock. He is higher than we are. And he says to us, when circumstances are overwhelming 
and you can't see clearly, I want you to climb up on that rock. And I want you to see from an eternal perspective. I want you to see through my eyes. I want you to stand up there, and I want you to see from that vista all the things that I am and all the things that I will do for you. I want you to see it through my eyes. He is a God that invades the impossible. When we are overwhelmed, we climb on that rock for an eternal perspective. Because sometimes we just have to rise above circumstances. When they're good, we're cruising along. No challenge. God's good. Things are good. Everything's working. But when life is being life, when the world is being the world, and we are struggling, and we're reading this, and we're seeing what God's doing, and it's like, okay, God, yes, you're awesome. Where are you? Are you sleeping? You handed me the keys, but you didn't teach me how to drive. Where are you, God? Where are you? And he says, I'm right here. I just want you to take that first step. I want you to trust me. I want you to pass that bread out. When everything in you is saying it doesn't make any sense, how in the world is this going to work? It isn't going to work in the world. It's going to work in kingdom economy because that's who God is. And God, church, I believe he loves to wow us. I really do. I believe that he loves to take circumstances that are impossible, that there is no natural solution for, and go, I love you. Amen. Watch this. Yes. And then wows us with his glory, because that's the kind of God that we serve. Matthew 6, 9 and 10 says, in this matter, this is part of the Lord's Prayer, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Church, what does that look like? Is there sickness and disease in heaven? No. Is there lack in heaven? No. Is there torment and strife in heaven? No. Is there fear and doubt? No. There is abundance, kingdom abundance beyond what we can think or ask. Every need met, that is God's will. On earth as it is in heaven. Spiritual dynamics that are in heaven. God is in control. Well, guess what? He's in control here too. And yes, we do have a real enemy. I'm going to bring him up for a minute and then I'm going to put him back where he belongs. We do have a real enemy, but he's a liar. If his lips are moving, he's lying. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's a lie. Amen. Period. That's right. Let's look back at Mark 8, verse 18. Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? I had a sermon recently that really inspired this in me. And this, this um, preacher was saying, you know, there are times when we just don't hear God. We're not hearing him. And there are times when we're just not seeing him. And in those times, we can remember. Church, God has done amazing things for every one of us in this room. Amen. And if the only thing so far he has done for us is save us, then we have an eternity of thankfulness if that's all we experience. But you and I both know we've experienced so much more than just that. He has given us such abundance, but when we can't hear, when the world is just filling us, 
with sounds that don't line up with the word of God and we're not seeing God. We're not seeing him move. We're not seeing our circumstances change. He tells us to remember. Remember what I did for you. And he says, don't you remember? He goes, why are you talking about not having bread? Why are you talking about, do you not remember what I just did? Okay, maybe you don't have bread right now, but do you understand that the same God that can take the little tiny piece and make it enough for 5,000 is the same God that can make it out of nothing? Right. He is not limited by our circumstances. He is not limited by the economy of this world. And when I say economy, I'm just talking finances, people. I am talking about the abundance of the kingdom of God in every area and arena of our lives. Our loved ones will serve God. That is our promise. Our children will walk in the ways of God because that is his promise that our households will be saved. And we need to walk in that and know that God is big enough to pull it off. No matter how stubborn they are, he's bigger and he's more stubborn and he's tougher. He's just bigger and he's got this. And we need to walk in that truth even when circumstances are so overwhelming. And you know what, church? I am not making light. Sometimes life is so overwhelming that we just don't know what we're going to do. And I'm telling you, climb up on that rock. Climb up on that rock. Climb up in your daddy's lap. Let him love on you. He loves you so much. He cares so much about what happens in your life. You are so valuable to him. Church, when we look at circumstances, when we look at our past, whatever it is we're struggling with, and we don't look at it through the blood of Jesus, we are empowering a lie. Because the blood of Jesus was sufficient for everything. It is more than enough. It covers. It washes away all sin. He is such a good God that he said, it is finished. And he was not kidding. It is finished. And so we just, we have the keys. He says, I've given you the keys. Now go for it. Feed them. Meet that need. Claim it. Speak it. Speak those things that aren't as though they are. Declare that because in kingdom economy, it's already done. God does not live on a timeline. He is not restricted by the things that we're restricted by. He is not limited by those things. He is a God that overcomes. He is alpha and omega, beginning and the end. All things always has been, always will be. And we have that God dwelling in us. We settle for so little when we have so much. I challenge us, all of us, God, me included, to stop settling for less than what is our inheritance in who God is in our lives. As children of the living God, children of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we can walk in abundance regardless of the circumstances of life. Regardless of the circumstances of life. Whatever your circumstances look like, if you can't hear and you can't see, then remember. God is a good God. We have to stop empowering lies by agreeing with them. God has so convicted me about this because I'll say things like, oh, I can't do that. I just, I I just can't. I I, I can't. Forget it. I'm, I'm giving up. I can't. 
What a lie. God has empowered me. <laughs> I'm going to share kind of a funny story. I was in a class, college class, and it was insane, okay? The equations that I had to use in this class made my eyes bug out of my head. And I'm like, okay, I don't even do third grade math well. I'm done. This is it. I'm toast. I can't do this. I can't. And I'm sitting one day, and I'm sitting in front of my computer, and I just said, oh, what sick demented brain came up with this stuff, okay? In just absolute, utter frustration. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he goes, you know, I made that brain. <laughs> kind of shut me down. And he goes, and if you'll ask me, I know how to do that. I passed that class. Amen. I prayed in tongues the entire time. I don't know if it, because it's an online thing where they have a camera on you and you have to sit in a room and they proctor you. Well, some guy in India was watching me take the test and I'm sitting there the whole time I'm praying and I'm thinking, I don't know if this dude is wondering if I've lost my mind or he's hearing me preach in his language. I don't care. I'm praying. And so I prayed the whole time and God, I passed it by the grace of God, okay? A small thing in the light of some of the things that we face. But I'm telling you what, that was a big thing in my life. Because I felt like God had called me to do something. And I felt completely unequipped to do it. And he said, if you'll ask me, I will equip you. I know how to do that. Thank you, Jesus. He, that's how good he is. Romans 8, 37 through 39. So Paul is writing to the Romans. And they're going through hell. There's all kinds of things going on. And he says to them, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We do not have to settle for anything less than that. Nothing less than that. Psalm 103.2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. No matter what it is we're dealing with, church, sometimes it is devastating. But God is a good God. And he tells us, don't forget. Even when you can't see and you can't hear, remember, climb on that rock. Jason and the worship team, I've asked them to come up. What I would like to do tonight, and you can stay seated or you can stand, but we're going to do the song Tremble, the last song that we did tonight. We're going to do it. And what I want you to do is in light of this truth that God has shared with us tonight, I want you to sing this song. Because I believe tonight there are those in this place that have struggled so much and that your heart is so heavy and your circumstances are so insurmountable and you've come into this place with your heart broken in two and you don't know what to do. Let's sing this song in light of who God is and in light of what he has told us about how much he loves us. Oh, Jesus, to be loved by this God. Welcome to come down to the altar if you would like to do that. I just believe God wants to minister to you. Bring it on. to touch you. Storms around you. Yes. Yes. 